0: Welcome to the Power Platform Show. Thanks for joining me today. I hope today's guest inspires and educates you on the possibilities of the Microsoft Power Platform. Now, let's get on with the show. Today's guest is from Huddersfield, England, In the United Kingdom. He is a low code practice general manager at ANS Group. He specializes in low code platform and ecosystems at scale, including expertise on customer success, adoption, change management, and digital transformation. He's worked for Mendex. He's passionate about Dynamics 365, Dynamics CRM, and of course, the Power Platform front and center. You can find links to his bio and social media in the show notes for this episode. Welcome to the show, Jason.
1: Thank you very much, Mark. It's a pleasure to be here. You do know I'm not an MVP, though, don't you?
0: I didn't say that, did I?
1: <laughs> no, 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 no. You didn't, but well, I only thought you used to have MVPs on when I used to listen to your show back in, uh, back in the yeah, day. Yeah,
0: it never started with MVPs. That's the thing. It never started there. It always started, my first episode was with a partner out of, I think, a Denmark and I went a whole year and a half of interviewing folks that were, you know, like James Phillips from Microsoft, all the, the kind of senior people, um, you know, Charles Lamana wasn't where he was now, but him, Ryan and a whole range of them. And then I was like, I'm really enjoying this. I want to go to two shows a week. And that's when I introduced the MVP show and just focused on business application MVPs. And I thought I'd run out, right? I thought I'd run out because... But the thing is, is that new MVPs keep coming. They've got new stories. They're unique. They're diff- from different geographies. So, yeah, the 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 business application podcast started with... um all comers. Before I then did that MVP show separately.
1: Yeah, it's it's always it's always been a show that I've always listened to. Mm. So I mean, I'd, I'd regularly go out for a walk to take my mind for uh, a bit of a chat, mm-hmm. and I'd listen to I'd listen to just one of the podcasts while walking. Nice. So it's uh yeah, it's part of part of the life of a of a of a consultant in the dynamics area for sure.
0: I love it. So who is Jason? Where and what do you do? Um, food, family, and fun. Always like the audience to get to know you personally. Before we jump into your tech roles,
1: yeah, great question. And I always like the food, family, and fun. I even incorporate that in uh, in getting to know our our team as well. So we we regularly run spotlights, and it's always food, family, and nice. fun. You know, there's a fourth so one. There's a fourth one. Is it a fourth yeah. one? What's the fourth one?
0: Friends, and that and that came, that came up yesterday randomly. I said, "Oh, tell me about food, family, and friends." And um, I was like, "Oh, where did that come from?" And yeah, where did that come yeah. from? Well, some believe there's a fifth one, but it's um it's not for general viewership. So, um I can we, imagine, we, we, and, we, I, and we, I think we,
1: that's open to uh, yeah, it's a <laughs> to people making up the fifth one. Exactly,
0: yeah? exactly. It's more the, yeah. the the conversation at the bar rather than on the podcast. So yeah,
1: absolutely, absolutely. But let's 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 start with food. Mm-hmm. Um, quite like a a wide range of different food. Um, from Italian food. Chinese food, Indian food, probably more of a spicy guy mm. more than anything else. Like a, if I'm like honest, but curry. I do like a lot. Of, I do like a good curry. Mm-hmm. I do like a good curry. Lived in Reading as well for 12 years, wow. um, and found a great Reading Reading uh, restaurant in uh, in Reading, and basically it was a great Indian, like an Indian gravy called. Probably pronouncing this wrong. From my Yorkshire accent, mm-hmm. so apologies to uh, to anybody that I might have upset, but uh, called chicken catenado and it's like a it 's like a really spicy gravy nice. absolutely beautiful with really tender chicken, so do like spicy food, but coming from coming from yorkshire you 've always got to go for good old traditional hearty food as well. Mm-hmm. do like a large Yorkshire pudding nice. filled with anything at all mark mm-hmm. so uh, so that 's probably my uh, that 's probably the food coming from uh, family i 've got a uh, beautiful wife Gemma of twelve years. And got one son uh Hugo uh, he's just turned age eleven, oh. so uh pretty much keeps me keeps me on my toes, yeah, I think because he's the only child, I'm probably the guy that he argues with the most, mm-hmm. yeah, because he doesn't have any other siblings to argue with, so mm-hmm. regularly argues with me uh and to the annoyance of my wife so uh and then in terms of in terms of fun, I quite enjoy i'm a sporty guy, so I quite enjoy sport, I prefer probably playing a wide variety of different sports than uh, than watching even though i do watch watch sports as well so even though i'm even though I'm probably way past it still play five side football with my friends on on a on a monday wow. swim enjoy running cycling um and to be honest most of my most of my fun these days is is pretty much just taxiing my son around to do all these other different sports as well I mean the amount of different sports that that children can, have got exposure to mm, now. Mm. I mean, back in my day, it was, it was quite limited. You, had, like, you were either running or you were just swimming or you play football or you play rugby. Mm-hmm. But now, I mean, my son, he's doing parkour. He's doing, wow. yeah, all sorts of different things. So uh, that's pretty much what takes up most of my time, which is, which is fun, seeing, seeing your own children yeah. grow and,
0: uh, and enjoy
1: all these different things.
0: Well, out of that introduction, I have so many questions. One, question number one, you lived in Reading for 12 years? I did live in Reading for 12 years, How yeah. How did you survive living in Reading? Like, honestly, I was asked, would I go when, you know, because Microsoft was out there when I was considering going to the UK, and I'm like, I would never, ever, sorry to anybody <laughs> that loves Reading, but live in Reading.
1: I, I, We, we still go down. We yeah. still go down now. I mean, my wife... I met my wife. Uh, I mean, well, first of all, why would I live in Red? Mm-hmm. I, I live in Huddersfield. So if you've seen Huddersfield, not well. uh, there's nice areas and uh, good areas of of everywhere, mm-hmm, Mark, mm-hmm, as you mm-hmm. well know. Um, but I, I pretty much went down to Reading um, because that was the IT yeah. hub, essentially. Mm-hmm. That M4 corridor is what it was called. Yep. You had Microsoft there, you had SAP there, yep. you had Oracle there, all out of the, the CBD, right? Were,
0: Everybody out of the CBD uh, and out there, absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and uh, and I actually joined um, a partner that was down there, but it was a Lotus Notes partner, mm-hmm. wow. um, and I ended up just moving down wow. there for, uh, yeah, well, more that's, that's probably more a different questions. story. <laughs> There's probably even more questions. Wow. Absolutely, how long have we got? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, uh, so yeah, I joined a Lotus Notes partner that were based in Reading, mm-hmm. so I, I basically moved to Reading, um, and then, yeah, I, I spent pretty much, this is probably now pretty much going into my career, but mm-hmm. – um, I spent five years as a Lotus Notes developer building solutions on Lotus Notes, Lotus Domino, and all sorts of good things like that. I actually looked it up in in terms of ChatGPT as Mm -hmm. well. What was the first low-code platform? And if you actually put it into ChatGPT, it actually says Lotus Notes was traditionally probably
0: the first low-code platform. Did did I tell you that there's no swearing allowed on this podcast? <laughs> classic.
1: Is that because it's now uh, part of IBM, Mark? Is uh, that what it is? No. Or it used to be no, part of it IBM. It used to didn't
0: be, as in you wouldn't believe it. I've, yeah. I've been in IBM about two years, four or five months, and when I joined, Lotus Notes was still the email system. And <laughs> I
1: heard your podcast that said and it.
0: And the f- fanatics in here that just loved it. And I'm like, have you? Because this is the thing. Is that is it called Stockholm syndrome? Where you start to, you know, you only see everything. And, well, the thing is, is that what I noticed with coming into IBM is that they think, I oh, better be careful. <laughs> I still work for them. What is that? <laughs> they think their stuff is, excuse me, is so amazing. And I'm like, it's so amazing because they actually don't know what's outside. It's like, you know, if you've been fed tripe all your life and you think, you know, the, the, all the different ways you can make tripe is just the best thing to eat. And you've never tasted ice cream. You've never had bacon. You've never had everything else in the world. And you just think this is the best. And it's just like, oh, my gosh. They have no idea of concept of personal productivity with tool sets like M365 because they've never touched them and experienced them because it was such a controlled ecosystem inside the company. And it just blows my mind, the fanatics.
1: Imagine what it was like having that toolkit. Now, mm, no. Mm, mm. Yeah, but imagine having that toolkit back in the 1980s. Yeah where you could literally just spin up a, a Lotus Notes kind of like database. Was it a database? Probably wasn't a database, yeah. You could just spin it up and you just literally just build anything. Yeah, so I, yeah I, I'd build HR systems. I'd build, yeah, tracking people's holiday, tracking, tracking all sorts of things. I'd, you'd build contact relationship management systems, which then turn into CRMs. So literally you could just build anything, which to this day is pretty much exactly the same as the Power Platform. Yeah, so it's as if my my whole career is kind of. It was quite strange because I was working for a company. I was seconded to a company building solutions for this large German pharmaceutical company, on Lotus Notes, mm-hmm. and then pretty much two years later, when I joined when I joined Mendix, one of my first customers was this company transitioning their Lotus Notes databases to Mendix, wow. and it was just. Wow, mind blowing! So it's just like I've just gone a full circle in my career. Yeah. I mean, I've been in IT now for for essentially two decades, but mm-hmm. it's quite strange seeing trends come around. And I mean, Lotus, Lotus, Lotus—what's it called? Lotus scripting or Lotus Note script? Essentially, it's a little bit like Power FX. Wow. Yeah, it's his own little modeling tool mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. or programming language. So it was quite an interesting, quite interesting.
0: Mm. Are you saying
1: Microsoft? So we have completely Microsoft
0: vibe. took their ideas from. Uh, other companies? I mean, that wouldn't go back as far as, not. as as DOS, would it? No, no, absolutely not. <laughs> Um, <laughs> not at all, Matt. Not, no, Matt, Microsoft
1: come up with all sorts of... Uh, original. Come up with their, with their own tools all the time. Yes. Actually, Microsoft CRM is pretty much probably one of the only tools that they've probably written from scratch, isn't it? I still call it Microsoft CRM, by the no, way. Sorry, I, sorry. I know it's D365CE <clears throat> yeah, yeah. or whichever one it is called. Uh, I still call it CRM because I, I think I came into the market back in 2006 and it was transitioning from 1.2 to version 3. Yeah. So I had some customers, large, mm-hmm. Library in Britain, you can pretty much guess the name. Yep. We still using one point two transition over to version three. Mm-hmm. God knows what happened to version two. I think I read the story that they kind of can version two. I've been in I've been in it since
0: version one point two ish. So 2003. Moving to three and then four
1: twenty years.
0: Yeah. So that's where I start. Wow. That's where I started for, as an Aussie MS CRM back then at um I've even got the logo, the original logo.
1: I wish I'd kept the books. Yeah. I can remember, I can remember clearing out my desk <clears throat> and literally throwing all the books, bu- which, which, to be honest, you remember all the Sonoma Partner yep. books? Yep. That, yeah, which I, I shouldn't really be saying because they cost quite a lot of money at the time. Yeah. And now they're probably be collectibles. Yeah. But I remember literally throwing them in the tip thinking, I'm never going to need this again. Yeah. I'm now, and I'm just thinking, I wish I kept them for nostalgia purposes.
0: Mm. But even the concept of those heavy books and buying them, like – you know, they're always big, massive, you know. Um, but really, they, they got the IT industry to where it is today, you know, back the people learning. Of course, it did.
1: And, and it propped up my laptop great. Yeah. It stopped me from getting neck ache. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. You could Brilliant. pile them up, right? Yeah. But you're like, <laughs> You could pile them yeah, yeah, yeah. So true. So true. Um, just back on Reading, one final point. I only went to Reading twice in my life. One was to do a power apps in a day session when I was living in London. And the second, uh time which was the best time was for a party in a house of chris huntingfords
1: and i think he's a little bit sad of leaving reading as well yeah so you saw his uh infamous uh bar and uh, outside yeah, area yeah, yeah, yeah. and things like that yep, yeah yep. i've got some fond memories of reading i really have and i know a lot of people think mm, reading seriously mm. how long do you stay there for but there are some really nice areas and it's and the areas around it as well, Windsor, mm-hmm. Oxford, mm-hmm. the access into London. It was just, I mean, 20, 20, 20 minutes, twenty-five minutes on a train mm-hmm. into London. It was just, it was, it served its purpose at the time when, I was, when I was in my twenties, early thirties. I'd
0: take the Paddington Microsoft office any day over uh, the Reading office, Microsoft.
1: Yeah, I think I think they're even shrinking the Reading office, aren't they? I don't even think it's that it's that large that right? anymore. But uh, I remember TVP going down to TVP many times, running on the by the river and things. So yeah, yeah. I've got some fond memories of Reading, even though yeah, yeah it's probably not and the I most glamorous place in uh, in the UK.
0: Microsoft even has an office up in Oxford, right?
1: It's even got one in Manchester. So where, really? where I'm based now, I'm based north of England, so um, in between Leeds and Manchester. So I actually A okay. office are headquartered in Manchester. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, the Microsoft have even got offices now in Manchester. So in the UA ninety two building.
0: Wow. Wow. Manchester. Interesting town.
1: It certainly is. You've oh, obviously got some stories about that one as well, Matt.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I've been to Manchester. Um, okay, okay. Let's uh let's let's talk about um how did you transition out of um notes? into to obviously dynamics and do I take it was partner side you're working in?
1: Yeah it was uh, again good question um, so Finnish University um, I probably want one of the one of the 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 strange ones that actually had a computing degree, computing in business, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. uh, learned Python, thought this coding's not for me, yeah, but mm-hmm. I fell in love with, with with Lotus Notes. I even did a, a dissertation in Lotus Notes between uh, relational databases and non relational databases at the time. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just fell into Lotus Notes. My foot, fir- the, the first partner that I went to ended up getting bought out by a company called Cyber, which which mm-hmm. yes. which were a large Microsoft partner at the time. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. essentially bought. So the, the company that I was at were were kind of like Lotus Notes, and they also did a number of other things as well. Um, they kind of wanted to transition over into Microsoft technology then, but I wasn't quite ready for it, so I, I stayed in Lotus Notes. Again, just building loads of different databases and things like that. Um, but you kind of saw – I mean, back at – what would that have been, 2005? kind of saw – it's kind of coming to it, kind of its end, is, is Lotus Notes, building mm-hmm. databases, and I, I wanted to do something different. So I applied for another Microsoft partner that were based in, bill um, based in Staines, a company called Aspective. Don't if mm-hmm. you remember Aspective? Nope. So I ended up, yeah, I ended up um, applying for those as as a Lotus Note, sorry, not a Lotus Notes, but a Microsoft CRM uh, functional consultant at the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, so yeah, I transitioned over into that role and essentially 2006 and being in my early twenties, eager. I just threw myself into into all sorts of different roles within that functional consulting role. So I'd be running workshops, I'd be shadowing like senior con, senior solution architects. I'd jump in to do data loads, and I learned scribe, so I, be, I then became scribe certified. Did yeah. all sorts of roles and. We used to do uh, single stream projects where I'd kind of start leading some of the projects and I'd start building it out and I'd do the whole thing. So when you do a single stream, you kind of then become more of a project manager as well mm-hmm. as understanding mm-hmm. the functional side of stuff. So my roles kind of move from technical to project manager, back into solution architecture, then senior solution architecture, and kind of just over time, you kind of just work work your way up as you've got more and more projects under your belt. So. Mm-hmm that's essentially that's essentially what happened and now I moved over into Microsoft and my my journey in the Microsoft partner network as well.
0: Mm. Were, were most of the solutions you're building then um what we called XRM solutions back then or were they really pure play CRMs?
1: Combina- combination of, of both, really. Mm-hmm. Um it I, I didn't mind the term XRM, and I can remember Microsoft coin it. it in that video yeah. of uh, yeah, of yeah, basically just trawling through different things with a cow's yeah. face and all sorts of things. I, I, I
0: use it in the 90-day mentoring challenge. As oh, just do you? To show fi- yeah. Is I, it I've still got about that video? I've got, I've got it. I've got it. Yeah, You've got a yeah. copy
1: of it, yeah? Because I can yeah, remember yeah. using that video as well back yeah. probably probably when I joined an, another Microsoft partner, just to ex- explain the fact that you can actually build yeah. anything on this. Whether yeah. you should build it, it was all about using a platform, which is obviously where mm-hmm. it came out of, but... Uh, but no, I mean, I'd end, we ended up building like solutions and templates at the time. I can't remember which version it came out where you could actually build the templates and and, mm-hmm. and store them that way. I can't remember if that was yep. version 4 or 2011. I can't quite remember. But we ended up building like templates that we'd reuse in certain sectors. So we built the private yep. equity template on yep. how they used it for tracking their di- deals and referrals and mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. sorts of things to stuff that were nothing to do with contact relationship management or customer service or anything like that. So, yeah, pure play xrm using the expensive license at the time even though it wasn't expensive yeah. it was probably what 22 pound 50 per user per month at the time when it first launched um building all sorts of different solutions nothing to do with contacts sometimes and you'd end up yeah. tracking yeah i mean one of them went in went into talk about how they could use dynamics for tracking bull semen for yeah which has nothing to do with contacts yeah yeah or yeah account so it was uh yeah an interesting time at the at that time when we used to call it XRM. I think it was called something else as well at some stage, but I can't remember what it was. XRM no, is it, the one that sticks.
0: Yeah, the XRM only, it was a concept that came out of the 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 team, uh, the product team, and it was smacked on the head pretty quickly. So it came and it disappeared as quickly as it came because of internal politics inside Microsoft, and in that SharePoint were the low-code platform as they saw it, and there was an internal fight. In my understanding it went right up to um, Bill Gates at the time. <laughs> and and so the concept of XRM was quickly knocked so as quickly as it had grown inside Microsoft, it was knocked on the head. But like if I look at my entire career, it would easily be skewed ninety-five percent to building us something else and not being a sales management system, which is the concept of CRM, right? And so, absolutely, yeah. When the power platform came along, it was kind of like for years of asking for because we wanted what back then we kept asking for was a platform skew. We we don't care for all the 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 opportunity entity or the you know invoice entity or the product entity. We don't want any of that. We just give us a clean system and let us build all the entities that we want. And of course, that's what we got with the with the with the power platform. You know, so. And there was some, uh, yeah,
1: there were some great uh, ISVs out there that were building things that were nothing yeah. to do with it as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you, you remember you the time, you needed
0: ISVs then. You needed it. Well, you don't need them as much these days. You needed them then.
1: Yeah, no, you did. I mean, I worked. I worked with a guy that, that wrote the voice the customer, uh, mm-hmm. and he yep. he made a bit a living out of it, and then sold sold that into Microsoft. And yeah, something
0: uh, something for what was that called? Mojo Forms or something? Mojo, Mojo
1: Forms. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, you. Yeah, we used to work together at Aspective at the time. So wow, he was a. Wow. Yeah. So Simon was a was was a contractor there working on the projects whilst doing this whilst doing this too. So. Like so he's retired
0: living in the Bahamas. Now that Microsoft Automel. I don't know
1: if he is actually. I probably need to reach out to him after this, uh, yeah. After this call, and see how he's getting on. Um, how much bank
0: did he make from being a, from <laughs> back then? from Because they didn't acquire his company, right? They acquired the IP. My understanding, which was unusual, because at that time Microsoft was vacuuming up companies left, right, and centre. They they did, um, you know, what is now um, field service. Back then, i what was the name of the company? They they vacuumed that up. They 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 the
1: PSA took the PSA yeah, ones. So, I mean, they were tool, unit four. there for a gamification
0: yeah. company. They they bought in a whole range of yeah. Them.
1: yeah.
0: Interesting. They never
1: bought a, a marketing one, so loads then as well. Communicator, yeah, they did. Mind they did.
0: They, 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 bought, they bought a particle marketing pilot. It was absolutely the biggest. I remember pile that one. Shit ever eyes. Steam that is true trial. i yeah. did
1: forget about that well that's probably one of them things that yeah the reason why you probably forget is because it you not exactly the best tool
0: yeah
1: yeah yeah we always thought we well, should 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 they buy click dimensions or what was the other one at the time click dimensions or co-motives wasn't it was yeah were, were the made two at the time yeah yeah so yeah. uh
0: and of course click you know because i thought they would have acquired click i mean that many times i thought they would have especially um but I mean, hey, uh, Click made bank, right? I mean, I think they've must have been one of the most successful ISVs. I think he sold the company for sixty million dollars when he um, when he sold it to VCs. That's a that's a bit of coin. That's brilliant.
1: Yeah, no, mm. absolutely, absolutely. So, so yeah, I mean, coming from that, we, we yeah, we used the Microsoft platform at the time for for pretty much just building all sorts of stuff. Matt.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, which is you know just is absolutely why I've I've been attracted to it. How many years were you doing that before you decided to chuck in your towel and and uh walk away from Microsoft?
1: So, um
0: it was probably only two two
1: twenty twenty one 2021 that I probably did that. So, what's that? Wow. 15, yeah, 15 or so. I didn't there, realize it was, it was so
0: recent that you walked and you left the Microsoft ecosystem only in 2021. So what, COVID had got you down, got you depressed, and you decided to? I, th- I, th- I think it was probably,
1: yeah, I mean, the, so many projects. So the way that we used to run projects, we used to run large-scale projects and, and mm-hmm. really quick projects, and we used to turn them yeah. around quite quickly. So I moved to a partner, which is probably one of the best moves I ever did, really, was move mm-hmm. moved to a partner called Zero to Ten,
0: Yes, yes. If you remember, yep. you remember yep. zero to oh, seven at yes. the time You yeah, knew them well because they were they yeah. were big in the US, right? They kicked off that model of, I mean, Gus Gonzalez developed his career in zero to ten in the US. Um, now working at Microsoft, but they were they were masters of a rapid turnaround cycle and a business yes. model that no other partners were doing, right? And
1: and and the guy the guy that invented that business model, Patrick Lewis, he was he was a guy that was he was just ahead of it. Ahead of his time, yeah. The way that the way that he saw the market, and he the way that he saw how customers should really adopt CRM is not mm-hmm. really going to a partner and and getting a partner to to do it to them. It, yes. it, I mean, this 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 was eight ten years ago, so yeah, we were kind of yeah. we were kind of delivering solutions in an agile way, but agile wasn't really formed then. People were mm-hmm, still doing waterfall, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. and we were doing quick engagements and the 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 model that he saw trying to. That he saw that was successful was well, let's actually get the customer to 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 give us some of their admins and let's let's bring them into the fold and let's get them to do some of the configuration with us and mm-hmm. let's let's enable them to do it because when we then come to leave, they'll they can pick up the man they can pick yes. up the basic stuff and they're not just coming to us and saying, by the way, can you now add these two fields and then you have to spend 16 days trying to put a statement of work together and mm-hmm, just for mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? So it enabled yeah. them to do so. That concept ten years ago, it was just ahead of the game, mm, um, mm. and it just got my brain thinking. And that's when we got into videos, and we got we, a little bit like like yourself, where if we were having the same conversation two or three times with the same customer, we just create mm. a video. We yeah. then set that as homework, get them to watch yep. that video, and then nice. yeah, I'm not wasting my time. I'm not wasting their money from me telling them stuff that mm. I can just get them to watch a video. So yeah. it was really ahead of the game, um, and it kind of changed the way that I thought about delivering CRM and mm. solutions, to be
0: honest. So the reason for leaving?
1: So the reason for leaving, um, was the fact that, yeah, probably COVID burnt me out. You kind mm-hmm. of think I was leading, I was leading the, the, the D365 team. Um, so at zero to 10, it got acquired by full scope. It then got acquired by, by Alithia. Um, mm-hmm. and it just got really big and, yeah. uh, and the sales director at the time, he moved us to basically just move the UK arm and moved us to, to ANS at the time. Mm-hmm. Um and I think Oh, with, I didn't realize
0: it, that 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 ANS is the, the Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the That's third, the UK third, arm third of Olithia. Genera- wow. Heck, yes. I had no idea. Okay.
1: Yes. So uh so yeah, so we became then uh ANS's D three six five arm, basically, um, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. which was born from from what 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 we did at alithia um so why did i leave i probably just how many times can you talk about sales processes how many times can mm-hmm. you talk about what's the difference between a lead a contact and an opportunity yeah and it just just got i'm just thinking i just need something else and i, I can remember mm-hmm. speaking with with chris probably about five Five years ago, and we're talking about the Power Platform, and it's not just about building solutions; it's more than that. It's about enabling things. He then moved on to he then moved on to Microsoft, or he was at Microsoft at the time. And I just I just kind of got a buzz with 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 low code at the time, or Power Platform, mm-hmm. but it was yep. so the way that the market was talking about it, the way that Microsoft were talking about Power Platform at the time was quite immature. Um, Mm -hmm. The way that the partners were talking about it was quite immature. I mean, people Mm -hmm. were kind of building games. I don't think people really knew what to build. They were just trying to prove what the technology was, and they were just talking about how great the tech is. It's like Mm -hmm. there's so much more to it than tech. Yeah, How Mm -hmm. do you actually enable a customer? What value does this bring to a company? Um, And during my time, before I got to it as well, I started getting obsessed with more around the adoption side of Dynamics Mm -hmm. 365. Interesting. So actually, it's not just about the projects, it's understanding what, what the outcomes that they're trying to achieve, and then feeding that through the project, and then making sure that they're adopting those outcomes, and what they're measuring those outcomes, and, and just driving adoption. So I ended up getting myself ProSci certified, ended nice. up coming working with, it, with with the Microsoft CSMs quite closely, so I ended up working mm-hmm. with, with a number of the, the CSMs there, and I kind of got that buzz. So a combination of probably wanting to get out of Dynamics 365, wanting to focus on low code, wanting to try and try and challenge myself and get out of tech and maybe do a different career path, um, I ended up getting an, offered an opportunity to join, to join Mendix. So one of the CSMs that was at Microsoft probably maybe five, six years ago, he'd mm-hmm. gone to Mendix. He was looking for a CSM. I read up a little bit more about Mendix. I knew of Mendix. Mm-hmm. uh at the time and i ended up reading some of their stuff i ended up reading their execution uh, digital execution manual and it just blew my mind Sounds absolutely just blew my mind in terms of uh of how they spoke about it mm-hmm. i did my research and even though microsoft uh power platform what's that 2014 2015 when it probably came mm-hmm. out looking at the order, looking yeah. at yeah, looking at Mendix's history, I think they formed in 2002. So low mm. code has been around for a long time. It's mm, not a new mm. concept. And how they were talking about it, and some of their enterprise customers, and the journey that they had, and the, the journey that they had laid out. I just wanted to immerse myself in it, Matt, and so, also invest in myself.
0: So tell me about Mendix because obviously they've been in my peripheral for, for as long as the power platforms, you know, been been discussed and. What well, yeah? What are your thoughts on Mendix? And just and t- and just perhaps, if you want to do a, a synopsis of of what their focus was, what they do, and um, yeah, I think the listeners would find that interesting.
1: Yeah, so so Mendix is it's another low code application platform. Mm-hmm. Um, if you if you look at the if you look at the um, the Gartner reports and the Forrester reports, it's mm-hmm. It's always in the top three. Well, if you look at the, if you look at the Gartner report, it's always it's always the number one. It's always the mm. one that's that's out there in the front. Mm. Um, I don't look
0: at that. I only look at Forrester's report. You
1: will look at Forrester's. That's because they over they overtook Microsoft. Overtook them. Yeah, I yes. get I get it. Um, I think that might change. I think maybe maybe Mendix took took the uh, took the eyes off the Forrester's one and just focused maybe too much on Gartner. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But they didn't, um, they
0: didn't take the right people out for lunch and dinner and maybe uh, and, and 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 a holiday in the in the Seychelles or something. Absolutely,
1: yeah. absolutely. But uh, but yeah, I mean, as, as in terms of in terms of a tool a tool itself or, or, or an application development platform um, is kind of aimed at both again we all I think we all hate the term citizen developer but it's kind mm-hmm. of aimed at both and it was kind of yes. it's kind of so you take the top three there's the top mm-hmm. three players in in the low code um, mm-hmm. space and that's Mendix Outsystems and, and Microsoft not in that order being the leaders no. yeah. Yeah, yeah and you probably look at all m3 and you even look in the top that top right hand quadrant of the gartner mm-hmm. one you've got appian in there and you've got salesforce and service now yeah but appian's more around probably business process modeling mendix was kind of the one that was aimed between citizen developers and pro developers so it had it it's it, it had its own it's had a tool that was click and drop a little bit like the microsoft mm-hmm, mm-hmm. config config um tools as well as like its own Studio Pro aimed at developers mm-hmm. doing extending it and doing more stuff to it. Where OutSystems is probably more, from what I from what I research, my opinion, it's probably more aimed at the Pro Dev. And um, ServiceNow? ServiceNow? ServiceNow is it's got its own tool, hasn't it? It's more built on mm-hmm. top of its its service desk tooling.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, so you, you I don't think you'd really use a ServiceNow loco tool to plug to SAP or anything like that. But mm-hmm. with Mendix and Out Systems and and uh, and Microsoft, you, you you can now extend and keep the core clean is is essentially what yeah. we were talking about at Mendix year, where they they were they were quite close to to SAP. So were OutSystems mm-hmm. and so are Microsoft. You now see the the, the SAP connectors for uh, mm-hmm. that, that are out for Microsoft. But it was all about well, actually keep the core clean with SAP and snap yep. low code over the top and connect to it, and you can extend it and throw it away. And then if you change your mind, you're not investing exactly thousands of pounds on over engineering sap mm-hmm. and just get it to do what it should do a little bit like what yeah. we did with crm yeah people yeah. used to extend it and it used to get all sorts of different ugly heads that you mm-hmm. just shouldn't have really used that tool for that job yeah. um so yeah so it, it's it's a tool that's um <clears throat> that caters for that two different side, side sides of the coin in terms of pro dev and and, uh, and citizen dev as mm-hmm. well as it's more external focus as well, so you can literally build apps that you can download off the um, app source or things like that. Yeah, so I saw really great solutions that were external facing. That basically banks were were, were using Mendix So basically people could download and access their bank details. Wow. Via a Mendix solution, so, yeah, so much more, more you could do
0: cons- consumer-facing apps.
1: Not yes, just which is that. interesting. Ab- absolutely. So therefore, when I when when I went into Mendix, it was mm-hmm. a lot of the t- a lot of the t- a lot of the time it was Mendix versus Microsoft or Mendix versus OutSystems, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. as the Gartner model started changing and out and, and the market started changing, it was like I mean, what's the stat? Gartner saying that in two thousand and five, which is a couple of years away. Mm-hmm. companies will have probably four or five local platforms in their estate doing different yeah. things so i yeah. was working with 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 the companies there and i was working with them to to, to, to build decision trees when should you mm-hmm. use mendix when should you use power platform when mm-hmm. should you really use service now and mm-hmm. and some of the companies i was talking to when they actually went out and started talking to the business some of them had seven out there and thinking crikey wow. I think we need to try and get this down to two or three as opposed to having Mm -hmm. seven. The -hmm. finance team were waiting on IT to try and do something for them. And in the meantime, whilst IT were focusing on probably sorting out their data, they went out and bought Brighter or something like that. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. there's all sorts of low-code application tools out there now.
0: Interesting. What were, being in Mendix, were they worried about Microsoft? I
1: would say yes. Why would you not? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think what 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 the language ended up changing to was actually how can we how can they coexist?
0: Mm, interesting. Yeah,
1: so it's no, it, it, we ended up changing the model. And I, I mean, I was working with really large enterprise customers, both in manufacturing and professional services. And mm. some of these professional services organisations they had they had out systems and Mendix. That one didn't really make a sense, make any mm, sense mm. having both of them two in your real estate. But with Microsoft yeah if it's if it's quick easy and yeah it's internal business processes why you why potentially use mendix when yeah when power platform will will do the job um mm. so it was more talking about coexisting and then the argument was well the first argument really is do you buy or do you build yes yeah, so if you buy something off the shelf absolutely fine but if you're building okay now is it low code versus custom dev yeah Okay. And then if it was low code, okay, now which is the right low code solution, depending mm-hmm. on your use case that you're trying to actually achieve. So it was all understanding the business solution first or the business problem first before mm-hmm. you then defi- define which is actually the right low code tool for that job. If you're wanting to build a mobile, a mobile responsive solution that people can download off their off off app source that uh, that they can then connect to their data from an external perspective would you really mm-hmm. choose the power platform for that you could but is isn't mm-hmm. the right tool for the job yeah. so so it was, it was it was more of a coexisting discussion as i as i started going through through my time at, uh, at mendix
0: what what do you think they do better than the power platform in in, in your your opinion
1: so it's quite interesting because some of the guys in the team now have actually gone through the, the rapid training for, for, for Mendix and some of them actually quite enjoy that user interface and the, mm-hmm. and the ease of building solutions. Some of the solutions that I saw didn't even look like low-code solutions, but you could probably say that about Power Platform as well. Mm-hmm. What, do do? what do they do different? They probably class themselves more as, more as a, a one-stop shop. So everything's built into their tool, and you know, you, and what I mean by that is, it's got its own like um, way of tracking epics and user stories with, within it within its own tool set. Yeah, mm-hmm. you didn't have to have DevOps to push it. You didn't have to build pipe, so you didn't have to have loads of different products. It had it mm-hmm. all built in. You didn't have to install a CWE toolkit. It's already had its own monitoring mm-hmm. solution in there that you could tap into. So it was pretty much a a one stop solution that. That 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 you were working working mm-hmm. within, if that makes sense.
0: What did they do better from a marketing perspective? Um, I'd probably
1: just say, well, I mean, if you look at the garden, if you look at the garden report, that's probably one of the weaknesses that it says Mendix is. But it, I think, I think how it talks about low code um, and how how they educated us when we came on. It's don't fixate on what the use case is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're trying to push the platform here. It's a, it's a mm-hmm. capability. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. not just one thing. And whenever new salespeople came in, it's like, what's what's the use case that I'm trying to sell? What's the use case that I can mm-hmm, get into mm-hmm. that I can get into with this customer? It's like, you're not quite understanding this. This is a platform kind mm-hmm. of a kind of a speak. Yeah. So we should be looking at trying to get three to five solutions that we're trying to solve as opposed to just trying to fixate on one. And then they were building all sorts of different uh different solutions in their Mendix marketplace that people could download. So mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, from a marketing perspective, it's probably just a different language, if that makes mm. sense. But now the I, th- I think Microsoft have probably caught up with it. I will not say caught up with it, but they use that same language as well. I, I can remember mm-hmm. listening to, uh, to Ryan's uh, keynote speech. And I think, I mean, what did he say? Low code is not just about technology anymore. It's about everything else. Yeah. It's about how you roll out low code. It's how you get people ready. It's how you roll out them capabilities and scale and change how people work. So... That's been the refreshing change, I think, uh, over the last couple of years on how Microsoft are now starting to talk about low-code as well.
0: Any – do you – and I know – I'll make this my last question about Mendix. Any – do you uh, – like, do you think they, um, they've had the opportunity to be acquired? Like, I, I would see, you know, an Oracle acquiring them. I could see an SAP acquiring them, um, you know, to fill out their kind of um, solution portfolios. So, um,
1: yeah, I mean, yeah. they already did. Yeah, so 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 they already got acquired. So they got acquired probably about three four years ago. Quite okay. a nice quite a nice sum. They got acquired by Siemens. Oh, okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. So Siemens. So Siemens. Siemens are huge. Yeah. They yeah. they do yeah, all yeah, sorts, yeah. From building trains to. Yep. Yeah, but they mm-hmm. ended up being being they ended up being an IT company as well because they obviously mm-hmm. needed mm-hmm. a platform to, yes. to, to to be able yes. to produce all the manufacturing stuff. So they actually acquired Mendix as a mm-hmm. bolt on to, to to their team center solution wow. at the time, and and that's what was quite nice that um, when I came in, I, I got aligned to the manufacturing and professional services inter- industries because mm-hmm. Siemens is a manufacturing industry. It unlocked all sorts of huge enterprise customers that were using their team center mm-hmm. technology, open, open, opened all, all sorts of different things up there in terms yeah. of that manufacturing market. Amazing. Yeah, I think, think OutSystems is probably the only one that's not being acquired. I might be wrong, but...
0: Um, and so you obviously didn't stay there. When did you turn around and came and uh leave mendix? so I left Mendix
1: near yeah pretty much just a year ago it just just mm-hmm. over a year um okay. so i mean the the role there it was great i got to mm-hmm. as a as a customer success and working as part of the digital mm-hmm. execution team i got i got I got to understand customers that were my portfolio of customers were pretty much at the different stages in their journey, so some of them mm-hmm. were starting. Mm-hmm. Starting out with low code and, and and mendic, some of them um were basically already at the structure stage while some of them were at scale, building mm-hmm. hundreds and thousands well hundreds of of solutions on on mendic. So I got to see the whole spectrum, which was quite nice. Mm-hmm. I got to see how companies were structured or trying to structure themselves from an app dev perspective. Mm-hmm. Do they take the centralized model or the decentralized model in yep. terms of a devops model? so it was yeah, quite yeah. nice just seeing that. I got to talk to partners as well, because obviously there was a partner network there. So some of my customers, they would have a number wow. of different partners working for them. Mm-hmm. So I got to understand mm-hmm. the partners and how they positioned and talked about low-code as well. So it really opened up my eyes to something that I would never have done if I'd have just stayed in the Dynamics 365 yeah. market at the time. So why I came back, um, it probably just felt the right time, to be honest. I can remember Chris calling me up and saying, um, hey, do you fancy coming and, and joining joining at Accenture and, and things like that? And I'm kind of thinking, I was actually talking talking to uh the CEO and the and and the COO at the time at ANS. They wanted me to come back and and start up, or well, not start mm-hmm. up, but kind of take 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 the local practice to another level as well. So mm-hmm. basically I, I just counteracted it with Chris and just said, well actually what what about joining 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 me here and uh and let's and let's let's build build this new vision on, mm-hmm. on what we were thinking with, with uh with the power platform here at ANS. So that's pretty much what we did. So it just felt like the right time. Um it felt like the right time because when when I was talking to partners before, they were fixated on just building solutions and yeah. what Mendix were trying to do, they were they were building their own digital execution practice, trying mm-hmm. to actually work with their partners to try and ex- expand. The platform within within with, with, uh, within their customer base, so I kind of saw that as as kind of like uh, an opportunity to be honest. And now you've got the ecosystem terminology that's banded around, that's that's coming around, and it's all now about enabling your ecosystems and things like that, which was all born from from Chris's head and and what what I was seeing as as the gaps within within the low code partner yeah. network, to be honest. Yeah, because everybody was just fixated on building the solutions.
0: Tell me about culture at ANS. Um, you have attracted some of the absolute rock stars in the UK uh, community uh, into the business. I see more and more you know, people saying, hey, I've just joined ANS. I've just joined ANS. Um, <laughs> when I lived in London, I'd never – sorry, I've only heard of ANS in the last two years. I never came across them at all while in London. Um, that was why it was interesting to hear the history just then. Is it the best partner to work for in the space in the UK?
1: I enjoy I enjoy working here, Matt. I wouldn't have returned otherwise. So I always okay. enjoyed the culture. Yeah, that was that was that was the main thing. And the, they're always they're always looking at the latest technology. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, invest, investing in AI now and what does co-pilot mean and things like yes. that. But from a cultural perspective, never had an issue with with the culture. It's it's a northern based based uh, mindset, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Um, they have fun. Everybody works hard, but they, they have fun doing it as well. So cultural wise, I think I, I think it's great. Now, attracting has it probably changed over the last 12 months? Yes. I think if you bring somebody like Chris in as well, who's who's big mm. in the community and uh and well known in the community, uh that obviously brings in a different a different mindset. We we're getting heav- heavily involved in the community a lot more than what we used to do as well. Um mm. and it's more for just it's more for just—I wouldn't say it's brand awareness, but it's yeah. It's more of getting—we're get, see, we're, we're seeing the team growing yeah. and, and, and contributing more in the community than what they've ever done as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, people are talking at, at the local communities, they're talking mm-hmm. at, the, at the bigger events. So it's just great to see. I think the community—I yeah. think the culture has—it was great, and I think it's—I think it's got better over the last twelve months. If I'm honest, and. Some of the, some, some of the names that have joined the likes of, of your Janets and your Kyles and your Dan's. Mm. And yeah, these, these, these are your names in the community. It's great just seeing their perspective and, and merging the two together. And yeah, the customers can only get a great experience from all these different mindsets pulled together. Yeah. 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 It's quite interesting trying to trying to rein all them different mindsets in and trying to trying to merge the two different visions on what so, what good look what good is that look what, what does it look like. Yeah. Um but yeah, it's we're getting there and that enablement piece, the ecosystem piece and how we deliver the portfolio is 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 quite uh is quite unique. Fantastic.
0: The last little topic area I want to chat on before we wrap things up is your um your fascination on tubes, uh, as in, and what I'm talking about specifically, of course, I've even, got,
1: I've even got a sign there.
0: Look, yeah, look at that low code <laughs> that you know is tube map. Low code tell tube us, station. T- tell us about tube maps. Mm-hmm.
1: So it, it was basically just it's. I find it the easiest way to articulate the journey. Yeah, because everybody's go. Everybody's going on a journey, and you, you've you've got to start somewhere. And it's not always just it's not always just one straight line. Yeah, it's not just one road. It's a number of different things. Yeah, it's not just about the solutions that you're building, which is what we call the portfolio. It's not Mm -hmm. just about the platform that you've chosen. Yeah, and how you lock down the platform. Um, It's not just about uh, the people. Yeah, so there's there's different people journey. So depending on where you are, you you bring on different people in the journey. So the best way that I find to articulate it is a little bit like a tube map. Yeah, these Mm -hmm. these are all the stations of, of of Basically, like a city, and if you went to London, Mark, and if I went to London, yeah, we'd probably, we'd probably maybe go to a different, we'd, we'd probably choose different, different tube stations to get off at, and our yeah. experience at that tube station will be probably different as well. But yes, it's nice it's just to see the fact that, okay, well, you need to, you, you need to understand your platform. So, what is it that I need to understand the platform? So, I need to understand. ALM, I need to understand DLP. I need to understand all sorts. Yeah, the security, the the, the toolkits that I can do for monitoring. So you have kind of got different stations, but you don't always have to stop at them. There's not a there's not a there's not a path that you have to do this one after this one after this one. Mm-hmm. You can kind of just go to one station and then go to another one and then come back to another one. So it was just yes. great to kind of visualize it that way and also break out the platform from the processes as well. So once mm-hmm. you've locked down your platform and then that's where your structure kind of comes in, well, actually, what are your processes? So what do you think about your UI UX design? What's your change management processes? How, so there's all sorts of different things there. So you, I just thought it was the best way to try and, and articulate a journey and it's not one size fits all and it doesn't have to be in a specific order and I can go to that station or I can go to that station and it's a little bit like a hop on hop off kind of a mindset. Yeah. 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 And what I'm now starting to see as well is, uh, is another company just saying, you know what your your co-pilot destination is. These are the stations to get to. So I'm now starting to see other people starting to use uh, that tube analogy as well, which is quite interesting to see, to be honest.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Very British. Um, it, you know, it, it works well in that market. I don't know if it translates into mine the same. Um, Probably but, not. But but um, for anybody that's, of course, been in the UK, it totally makes sense. But, yeah, I really like it. I like the way it, it and, and I like so much in IT, right, it is putting it in terms that non-technical people can understand and be able to be feel empowered by it, which I think, you know, why I see it being so um, effective. Definitely, Jason, definitely, it's it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Um, uh, I appreciate it. Are you going to be at Dynamics Minds? I'm uh, um, not planned on being, but I know um, I know Chris
1: has put it down as as one that he's attending, so I'll definitely take a look at it and uh,
0: yeah.
1: and consider it. Are you going as well, Mark?
0: Yeah, as and I think I'll yeah. be the the the, the, the traveller that will come from the furthest afield location in the world to the event. So uh it's it's a bit Fair of trouble you must I'm going to there's, right? there's
1: no excuse for me to to
0: not Ex- get there then yeah Honestly transportation for anyone should not be an excuse but yeah I'm going to land into London like 3 or 4 days before it and uh just uh, catch up with a few folks hopefully and the community that uh, used to hang with while I was over there and um and then make the way across there and I'm not sure how I'll get across there whether it'll be trains planes or automobiles so um or all of them because you can definitely take a train all the way there and I, the, how I know that is cuz I have trained from from Venice to um Milan and I've traveled and I've trained from Milan to Paris and I've trained from Paris to um London so um I assume it's the same type of deal, and then at Venice, you can. It's about an hour away by car or something. I understand. Right.
1: That. It sounds like a bit of a road trip as well. Then, so uh, yeah, so yeah it's, and it's always good to just catch up with people over over a beer oh, or two. We never really got the totally. chance in uh, in Vegas no, when you're at MPPC. No. So, yeah, you're, you're, you're a bit of a busy man.
0: Chance. It'll be our yes. chance. At this one,
1: okay. so so we, so we can have a proper chat over over a beer and uh, all yeah. sorts of conversations come out once once you've had a bit of alcohol. I
0: like it. Cheers, mate. Yeah.
1: Great. Thanks for that, Mark.
0: Much appreciated. Hey, thanks for listening. I'm your host, business application MVP, Mark Smith, otherwise known as the NZ365 Guy. If there's a guest you'd like to see on the show, please message me on LinkedIn. If you want to be a supporter of the show, please check out buymeacoffee.com forward slash NZ365 Guy. Stay safe out there and shoot for the stars.